I'm glad that it's uh, a small, intimate crowd today because of where we are in the Second Corinthians chapter seven. Um, let me back up. If if you haven't been here, we're working our way through all of Paul's letters as he go through as we go through the book of Acts, and we're at this point where Paul has written three letters, three letters. I know there's only 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, but there's actually four letters that he wrote to the church at Corinth. And one of the letters that he wrote, we don't have, two of the letters he wrote, we don't have. And one of them was really, really harsh. We've talked about this already. But you have to understand Corinth, they were full of false teachers, people that were not teaching the, the truth or some form of the gospel and uh, they were saying Paul's not really, you know, a, a true apostle because he didn't hang out with Jesus and like the other disciples did, and he was uh, getting the missions fund for Jerusalem, and he was using it for his own benefit, and they were spreading all sorts of rumors about him, and people were believing the false teachers, and Paul, Paul was hurt by that because. Uh, I would say, if you know me, if you want to push my one button, push my one button, I have several, but if you want to push my one button, question my integrity. Question my integrity and I'll come after you. I don't know why, I don't feel like I need to defend myself, but there's something about that that gets my flesh just like, and I'm assuming that that's the way it was with Paul as well, is like, look, I believe what I'm teaching, what i what i'm teaching it, it's the real it's the real deal and for you to like say that i'm not or i'm doing something else just really really got to the soul of him and so he wrote this stinging stinging letter to the church at corinth and he said look here's what you all are doing like there's some of you that have have literally not supported me in public You've turned your back on what I'm teaching. You're following the false teachers, things like that. Early on in 1 Corinthians, there was a a dude that was sleeping with his uh, mother-in-law. And a lot of people think that that's what Paul was writing this stinging letter about, was was this dude. But if you take chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians and the chapter that we're on today, chapter 7, you, you get a sense that it's more than that. that there, was, there was this public, public uh, embarrassment by Paul or the lack of support. And so he's spent the last two chapters, 6 and 7, trying to say, hey, I know you got my letter when I wrote it. I was really, really anxious about it. I was really torn up about it. But it sounds like you read it, you heard it, and you received it. And so that's where we get into chapter 7 today. I'm going to back up just a little bit because verse 1 actually is attached to the last few verses of chapter 6. It says, and what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. 
Then he begins to quote these Old Testament passages. We talked about this last week. I will dwell and walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He says, come out and separate yourselves. Now, if he's preaching from the old covenant, he's telling them that they have to do something. You have to separate yourselves. This is based upon behavior, which is what the whole old covenant was. You were given the law. You live by the law. You do these things, and everything will be good with me. So separate yourselves from the clean and the unclean. But as you know... Jesus came along and said, okay, we've proven that you can't do that on your own behavior, your own strength. So Jesus died on the cross. His blood was poured out. You're forgiven. He was buried. He rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And they sent this spirit to live among us. And the moment that you believe that Jesus was your Savior, he made you holy, like these verses say right here. He separated you. He made you different. He made you different than the rest of the world. Like literally, if you believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior, the person who forgave you of all your sins, you're different than the world. You're separate. This is not your home anymore. That's your home. Eternity with Jesus is your home. All right, so he says all that, and then you get to verse 1 of chapter 7. He says, so then, dear friends, since we have these promises... Let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Okay, what does that mean? If I'm already holy, if I'm already separated, if I'm already pure, yes, that's my spirit, but I still have this flesh suit. I still have this desire to feed myself, to do things on my own and to do things in my own strength, which is selfish because he's literally said, look, I'm hanging out with you. I'm inside of you. If you just let me do it for you, everything will be good. And so when he, he says like that, let's cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh, he's literally saying, hey, quit acting on your own selfish desires. Like, if, if you want to be holy, he's literally saying, just stop. Just stop what you're doing. Just stop. <laughs> As a pastor, I want to say that all the time. Just stop, really. Your flesh is, like, getting in the way. And he's now coming to a point, okay, now I've got to encourage them. And that gets us into the next part of the passage. He says, make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. Like, I hope you know my heart. My heart obviously is for Jesus, but my heart's for you as well. I hope you know that. I look at you and I see the stuff you do, I see the stuff you don't do, but there's no condemnation. We're sitting here in a room where... I don't condemn you for it. I, I get it. It's part of the flesh. 
I'm dealing with some nasty, nasty situations right now. And to, and to be able to look at the people and go, you know, I don't see you for that. I see you as holy, as redeemed, as forgiven. It says the world, it says the world to them. And this is literally what he's saying right here. I'm not trying to take advantage of anybody, get myself one up or anything like that. He says, I don't say this to condemn you since I have already said that. You're in our hearts to die together and to live together. We in this room live and die together. Look, if somehow I blow it publicly, whatever that looks like, I don't know what that looks like, but if I blow it publicly, I don't expect to be given, you know, six months salary and pushed out the door. I, I, I don't expect to be standing up here teaching for a season, but if something happens like that, I, I'm assuming that you guys are going to love on me and my family. I, I'm assuming that if you're going to speak accountability, that you're going to be knocking on my door. And what does that look like? Not his finger in my chest, but his arms around me hugging me. Because that's the way we do it here. I hope. Verse 4 says, I'm very frank with you. I have great pride in you. That's the word for boast. I boast about you guys. I'm filled with encouragement. I'm overflowing with joy in all of our afflictions in all the junk that's going on. In fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Remember, he sent this letter with Titus. And he, re- I don't know if he regretted sending the letter. Maybe he did. I, I don't know, but he was obviously remorseful about sending it. Once Titus left, he hit the send button And so he spent his time looking for Titus to see how the people at Corinth received the letter. So he went up to Macedonia and he met all sorts of riots in Ephesus and things like that. It says, we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. Instead, we we were troubled in every way. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. He's literally thinking, how did the Corinthians receive this letter? All the things that are going on. He actually got to Troas and had a great ministry going on up there, it says, in the previous chapters. But then he, he's like, I, I'm so unsettled, I'm so at unrest, I've got to find Titus to find out how this letter was received. But he said, God who comforts the downcast comfort us by the arrival of Titus. He eventually finds Titus, and he hears the word, verse 7, and not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. He runs into Titus. Titus, how was the letter received? Oh, I can't even explain to you, but not only did they receive the letter, but it, it changed what they did. It changed how they behaved. It, it, it's, it's amazing what has occurred. Verse 8. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. Like sometimes you have to, as a pastor, as a leader, as a friend, as a elder, as just a loved one, you, 
you have to call things as it is. I can, I've learned if I step around it, if I avoid it, I'm going to have to react at some point to the consequences of it. And so I would rather be proactive about it and just say, here's what it is. Here's what's going on. That gets me in trouble too. I get it. Because people aren't there yet. But that's literally what Paul has done. He's like, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while... I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. So you see the word repentance in there. And, you know, we as believers all the time get that question, well, are we supposed to repent? Are we supposed to confess? Are we supposed to ask for forgiveness? I've taught this many times in here that there's a difference between those three. Forgiveness I've received at the cross. I have all the forgiveness that I need. Jesus died one time. He forgave me of all my sins, past, present, and future. It's a done deal. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. I live in a state of forgiveness. Confession, I've told you this. I've looked for the word confession after the cross, it's always confess the Lord and Savior as confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, confess this, confess that. But the only time that it ever talks about confessing your sins in James is confess your sins one to another. Like Matt was saying about accountability. I, I'm, not the, I'm not for the type of accountability that says, Oh, you know, well, Jason and I are going to meet every week and he's going to ask me five questions and I'm going to lie to him about three of them. I'm not looking about that accountability. I'm looking about the, the kind of accountability that I hang out with Jason so much that I know what's going on in his life that I don't even have to ask him five questions. I just know it's, it's what's going on. And that's literally what he's saying right here. So repentance, what is repentance? So I don't feel like I need to confess my sins to Jesus because he's, he's already done that. He's already forgiven me. I, I, I'll confess them to you. But then you get to repentance and goes, do we have to repent? Yeah, we still have to repent because repentance is basically changing our mind about things. It's just changing our mind. You come in here and you hear things. You read the word. You talk to people. You listen to things. And you change your mind about things. It's okay to change your mind. That's what repentance is. What you believe, what you think, the way that you behave, you change your mind. And preferably, the Holy Spirit is leading you in that change. Like he's causing you to not only hear the letter, get the letter, read the letter, listen to the letter, but to receive the letter. The Holy Spirit causes you to do that, and it changes your mind. Verse 10, it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. So if I regret something, and I can, like, I can either go to you, I can go to the Father, I can, I can get forgiveness, and then I let it go. I let it go. Because God's already dealt with it. I deal with it here and let it go. 
if the world deals with it, you know that whole you hear, especially nowadays, all these courts and trials and everything. Well, I can forgive them, but I can't forget them, what they've done. I would consider that to be worldly regret. Yeah, it's hard to forget something that's been done to you, but I believe that God can cause that to be forgotten. I believe that. And that's what Paul's saying. There's a difference between letting things go with God and letting things go with the world. Verse 11 says, For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. Like all the things that Paul felt bad about with the Corinth, Corinthians, it all changed. Titus came back and said, man, you, you wouldn't believe it. They support you. They agree with you. They've, they've changed things. They've cast out false teachers. It, it's amazing what God is doing. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. In addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy Titus had because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. Not only do I feel good about it, but look what you did for my brother. This, this guy is like excited about what you as a community, as believers are doing. You've changed your mind. You've changed things up. You've you literally let the Lord work through you now. Verse 14, For if I had made any boast to him about you, I have not been disappointed. But as I have spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be truth. And his affection toward you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. Look, he's not with the church at Corinth. He's not. But he's heard about him. And he's literally said, I'm so thankful for what you have heard, what you have received, and what you are doing now. I'm excited. Titus is excited. He's literally building confidence and encouragement in them. I'm going to uh, cut the YouTube feed right now. See you guys. <laughs> because we have such a small group in here today, uh, I'd like to hear from you. I literally, he, he literally says, make room, make room for us in your hearts. And I told my sound guys, my worship guys, I'm like, I don't know what the Lord's going to do tomorrow. I'm going to teach pretty quick. But I'd just like to hear the heart of our people. We'll have a small, intimate crowd. So, uh, I think that's where I am today. 
just like to hear from you. We did this a little bit last week. And I had about 10 people come up to me afterwards and said, I was going to say something, but well, now's your chance. I was continuing on the idea of the, that we are family and how much that the Cox family depends on the family of Leavener. And I can't imagine doing life without them. And COVID hit our family all at once, all three of us. And our porch just became magic and food would appear on our porch and uh, medicine would appear on our porch and flowers. And um, it was absolutely amazing um, the way that this group took care of us. And that's just the most recent example. It's happened through the 10 years that we've been associated or longer, isn't it, Rusty, with this group? But it's been a while. Um, And that even when, you know, Ron's job moved him to Louisville, you know, he's been working out of town in Louisville for seven years now. And we contemplated, you know, the first thing was, well, our family will move to Louisville. And the more we talked about it, we just couldn't imagine leaving this family um, and doing life without you guys. So we made the decision to try to make it work with us staying here. And, um, you know, it's just an example of how... God does that. It's because of um, you guys not even, I I get the impression it's just kind of organic. You know, God's done it. You guys have filled in places um, where we may have been um, otherwise done without, you know, by living separately in two different towns. And it's just worked. It's just, you know, God's worked it out. And uh, I just love you guys and can't imagine doing life without Leavener. So thank you. Yeah, you, you have to understand the dynamics of this group too is because uh, the 10 whatever years plus years that you've been involved, uh, your patio got bigger because of your investment here. Uh, I look at Kimberly back there. She's only been with us a little over a year. Uh, but I see the... the patio growing in your life as well as long as the involvement and and Nicole as well you know the investment that you put into the group bring brings the paybacks sorry you got stuck with candles but but that was a big deal it was a big deal to be on your uh, and for you to like pass them on to Ryan and it's her fault so but I, it's things like that. That's, it's like my barber is not here today. Comes here now every Sunday usually. But it took 20 years of doing a flat top for that to happen. It took a long time. And so some of you that, you know, are, are, feel like, well, I don't get that. Well, just keep, keep, keep coming. It happens, it happens, and yeah, it's a good word. Are you done with the cheese balls yet? Oh. I bought her a big old bucket of cheese balls when she was sick. Bells? Um, plenty of similarities with 
what we talk about in the scripture, and how you guys are living things out here. Um, you know, from from Matt, who I would call the great encourager. I, I think there's many Tituses in our community that uh, will encourage one another. Um, but there's also, like Rusty and Matt talked about today, there's plenty of Pauls, too, that will keep me accountable when I need it in a loving way, not in a con- condemning way. And so I think as the world gets really messy as it is right now, I love that we can come here and be a, a constant for one another, community-wise, scripture-wise, intentionality-wise, accountability-wise. And so I know I haven't been here very often lately, um, but uh, I can come right back in and I can get loved on, to, to your point. Um, a lot of that obviously starts with our leader, right? And so thanks to you, Rusty, for for always keeping that direction very clear for all of us. Um, but I, I would just encourage all of you to continue to live that out. Not only here, but for your families, for your extended families, for your friends, uh, to Luke's point, who live in the flesh. Man, I, I don't know about you guys, but man, my heart breaks for them right now and, and everything that's going on around them and not to have that that light or that guide for them. So um, I, I love what we do here. I'm super encouraged by everybody here. I just want to encourage you to keep doing that and then keep doing it for other people too. Um, got something really special here. So thanks to all of you. Um, thanks to our leader, Rusty and Michelle. Um, thanks to all the, the Tituses and the great encourager, Mr. Tully. So that's it for me. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, Robert. Thank you. So in verse 1, uh, Luke uh, talked about it um, quite, uh, uh, quite well. It talks about the filthiness of the flesh. But in the same uh, sentence, Paul also talks about the filthiness of the spirit. He says, the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And I would make the argument that the filthiness of the spirit is, uh, is determining the filthiness of the flesh. When, when your spirit, and uh, you're right, verse 1 ties into the previous chapter. In the previous chapter, Paul tells um, his audience, get away from those people who were worshiping idol, who were having their spiritual communion or their spiritual um, relationship with the wrong people, with the wrong um, um, circles. Get out of there. Be here, like, like you say, in this community. What you hear, what you study, what you listen to, that will transform your spirit. That will eliminate the filthiness of your spirit. Therefore, the, the flesh which kind of acts as a consequence of what your spirit, where your spirit is, then your filthiness of the flesh will follow and will be purified. That's kind of how I see it. So spirit first, because the spirit determines what, what's going on in the flesh. Um, the, the big uh, example would be, you know, when, uh, when God created the world, he was spirit. The, f- the, the, the material stuff 
came as a consequence of the Spirit. And I think in the same way uh, it's, it works today. And the, the reason I, I do like this, um, uh, this group is because they reach to that understanding of that identity in Christ. That identity in Christ is not a fleshly thing. It's a very spiritual, very um, high, and to me especially, a very precious thing. And um, I like it, and I just wanted to, uh, to say that I, I really appreciate uh, you, for you leaders, for leading the group there, and the, um, um, the fact that this congregation or this assembly actually realizes and enjoys and uh, uh, pursues that. So thank you. I appreciate that, Robert. The spirit greatly impacts the flesh. It is the spirit that I still have a flesh. I still am able to make my choice between the flesh and the spirit. And my spirit, of who, that's my true identity of who I am. I'm holy, righteous, and redeemed. It greatly impacts what I do. But sometimes I still act on my flesh. Yeah. Bells. We're getting past our time here. All right, she's got to say one more thing. Get that mic, Ron. You know you're going to have your time at the end of the month. Is what's well, kind of private? <laughs> well, oh my gosh! Did you just say that on the microphone? You did. I did, and you did. Yeah, oh my gosh, Ron! So you know take I the like microphone out of her hand. Moving please. on. You know I like to look at the wall, and and there's sermons to me up there. So I was looking at uh, comfortable when you were talking, and how the spirit. Yes, very adorable to me, that whole relationship. But how that tied in with this group or family for me, the word comfort is, originally it's not the absence of um, pain. Comfort is the two words together, strength. And that's what I see getting from this group, the comfort that comes from this group of just the strength together. Not the absence of pain, we've all got it going on, but you guys are just great at that together strength so thank you what I meant (laughs) was I'm going to be gone on the 29th and Shannon is going to be here teaching that day so uh, now I'm questioning that (laughs) Uh, I just just think the beauty of this group is uh, you understand that you're perfect. You are perfect because Jesus made you perfect. That's who you are. But in that, man, there's a whole lot of mess. There's a whole lot of mess. Uh, and I'm okay with your mess. That doesn't mean that I accept it. Uh, I realize this is all part of the is living living here in this world and living in this flesh suit. It's like we're going to keep teaching that you're holy, that you're righteous, redeemed. There's no no question about that. But in the midst of the junk and the chaos and this world, and uh, 
I get it. You get it. You're safe here. You're safe here. You can continue to go down that path. My prayer is that you don't, but uh, the intimacy of this group is, is special. And I, I really don't think, I don't think there's others, there's not too many others around here that have that, what we have. And then when he's boasting, that's what he's boasting about. What God's doing in the midst of this group. So, thank you. I love you dearly. Uh, Father, may we not boast in this ministry or Levener, but may we truly boast in you and what you're doing in the lives of your people, even in the midst of the chaos and the sin and the chasing of the flesh. I know that you are at work. And I know that you do great things with those that are struggling, with those that are having a hard time staying focused. And I pray that you would continue to do that, not only for those people, but for myself as well, that you keep us focused on you. Um, I thank you for allowing me to see Jesus in my brothers and sisters on a regular basis. So uh, as Paul speaks confidence and encouragement to his people, to the church, I pray the same thing for my friends here, that they may be walk in confidence and encouragement today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.